This podcast is brought to you by Abby Connect, the leading live receptionist service. Did you know that 80% of business callers don't leave a message when they reach voicemail? Customers want to connect with real people, not machines or recordings. Abby Connect offers dedicated and guaranteed call answering at a fraction of the cost of hiring a receptionist or assistant. For our listeners, Abby Connect is offering a no-obligation free trial. And after your trial is over, our listeners will receive $95 off their first bill. But only when you sign up at our special link, abbyconnect.com forward slash profit first. Sign up today at abbyconnect.com forward slash profit first. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. I I just, I just, uh, I started collecting records and I just bought their their very first record they ever did. They came out with like a new collector's edition. It was like old, like kind of 60s doo-wop girl kind of thing. It's really, really good. Oh, interesting. So Walk Like an Egyptian was not their first album? No, that was later on. Uh, that was, I think, their third. Yeah. Oh, no, I... Just I'm, another manic Monday. I know, that's it. It's fitting. It's a Monday. Oh, Wish it Monday. were Sunday. Because that's my fun And by the way, do you know who wrote that song? No. I think I know. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Bruce Stone. This is a... This was not a, written it's by... A, it's a very, very famous musician who just died about two years ago. Male or female? Male. Prince. Bing. Prince wrote that? Prince wrote Manic Monday. It was... Look thank it God he did not do that himself. Yeah. That I, would ruin his you career. Know I, I bet you in all those demo tapes that have not been released yet, yeah. I bet you he has a version of it. That'd be cool to hear. I'm sure. But it doesn't feel like a guy oh. should be singing that song. Yeah, he wrote I think he wrote it for them, like for her. He was fans of the he was a fan of the Bengals. I was listening to Purple Rain earlier today. That is such a good song. Mm-hmm. He was unbelievable. I know it. He's probably one of the best guitarists yeah. out there too. I I didn't realize all the solos was his. Well all the almost every album was just he played every instrument. If you look, really Yeah. look up anything it says it says all songs written. Produced, arranged, and played by Prince. That's wild. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. Yeah, he played everything. The guy from Foo Fighters does the same thing. Um, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl, yeah. right? He Grohl, yeah. yeah. Grohl. Yeah. Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys used to do the same thing too. I know. Howard Jones as well. I did not know. I don't even know who <laughs> Howard Jones is actually. Yes, you do. They're from the eighties. No one ever. It's, don't turn away from that. the microphone when you sing. Yeah. You got to sing into it, <laughs> he has bro. All those eighty, those all those eighties pop synth kind of yeah. hits. Um, What's your favorite band, Kels? My favorite band? Yeah, oh, or music. Um, what are you into right now at the moment, at least? Um, I would say like Florence and the Machines recently I've been listening Florence to. Florence and the but Machines? But I'm like an oldie. I like, I listen to a lot of Simon and Garfunkel and mm. the Beatles. Oh, I like Simon and Garfunkel. Was yeah. Florence and the Machines, that f- is that fronted by Florence Henderson? That's <laughs> 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 the only Florence I know. Oh, I loved her. Yeah, you should the hear her The two voice. women amazing. I we loved. never guess. <laughs> Florence Henderson and the girl from the Bengals. Like, that was the two. Uh. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to kick things off here. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Brother First Podcast. He's back. Woo. Riley's here. <laughs> mm. And it's another episode of Private First Podcast. I am Mike McCallow. It's the co-host to the co-host. And uh, I'm the author of Private First and Clockwork and the Pumpkin Plan and uh, all that other stuff. And, and I'm you... the other co-host of the co-host, Kelsey Ayers. And the host, you are? I am Ryan Lee. I, I am the host to the co-host and the co-host. <laughs> That's host, right. Co-co-host. <laughs> right. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and ProfitFirstPodcast.com or any podcatcher anywhere. Yeah, because that's the podcast you're listening to. This is the Profit First Podcast. All about profitability. Every single angle, every kind of alpha and omega and everything in between of profitability <laughs> we talk about. Fuck 
Uh, and today will be no different. Today we're talking about the lingo you use. There's a, you know, finally someone stepped up and wrote a book about lingo. Like in the health food industry, there's lingo. Lawn salads. There's a lot, a lot of lingo, and I've been looking for a good book on lingo. Yeah, well, there's a book called Lingo that's all about lingo. And I'll tell you, when you can talk your customer's language, they buy from you, which makes you more profitable. Jeffrey Shaw will be on in just a minute. Uh, but before we do that, Kels, yeah. um, what have you been up to just in general? Well, I've been <laughs> buying a house in general. That's deflating. That was. A <laughs> yeah, how's the house purchase going? It's okay. It's a roller coaster. I don't want to say are you, it's great. Are you back like, in? Like, are, are I you? I am back in. What happened? They came down. So what happened was the house that I was purchasing didn't meet the appraisal that I was purchasing it for, uh, and originally the sellers did not want to renegotiate. They were not willing to come down in price, and they wanted me to come up with cash to mm. make up the difference. Um, so we ended up settling where now they're not going to do the in the oh, repairs for oh. the inspection that okay. they were originally oh. going to do. Which they're not major things, but it would have just been nice to have them taken care what of. What were some I of the things in. that are, you're gonna? Um, so there is the vent for the exhaust in the um, for not the, the exhaust. The return. <laughs> yeah, the, for the in the bathroom. <laughs> the exhaust. <laughs> it's a diesel run bathroom. It's <laughs> you imagine <laughs> the to- exhaust fumes in my bathroom. That toilet oh. flushes. <laughs> 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 Anywho, it was just vented into the softening and not completely out to the I exterior of the house. Do, why do they do so that? So stupid. So then there was mold in the attic. Oh, black mold? Not the bad kind. Okay. Yeah. So, but it wasn't major. What have you been up to, Ryan? <laughs> I'm learning more about soffits. That's <laughs> what I've been up to. I've, <laughs> I've been and just exhaust? Had, yeah, I've just been finding coffee shops in Boonton. Yeah. Uh, How did you like? Well, you know coffee shops very well. I do know coffee shops. That's a nice one. A nice is one. it? Does it qualify as coffee? Uh, yeah, I would have. If I had more time, I would have hung out there and, and did a little work. And where are you from? Connecticut? Um, well, I still say I'm a New Yorker, even though I've been out of New York for uh, almost 20 years. But I am, I'm a nutmegger now. Yeah. I'm up in New Canaan, Connecticut. Oh, it's so funny. I, saw, I thought New York. No, no. Because you say New York so much. I'm like, oh, he's from New York. Not the city. I, I thought you were from get... New York State. Yeah, I am. Uh, but now, no, we live in. Uh, let me see. I moved to Stamford, Connecticut, originally in '99. Mm. So it's been like almost 20 years. Wow. So I'm starting to speak like the hello. <laughs> hello. Oh. How are you, yes. darling? <laughs> oh, it's back. To, it's good to be back in Joyzy. Yeah. Now I'm Joyzy. Do you feel a yeah. different vibe down here? You know, well, Connecticut's still. We're right on the border of New York, yeah. so we still have that kind of New York energy, and yeah. everyone commutes into the city who lives there. So you don't really lose it. But when you you feel it though, and when you're driving here in Jersey, which is the most confusing place still in the world, I'm on so? 80 yeah. to 287 to 46. No, you got to make a U-turn. Get off the exit. Uh, I had navigation, and I still made three wrong turns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Like it really. Uh, but it's. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Well, we gotta get we gotta get Ryan up to Heavenly Temptations. That's the comp- competitor for Boss uh, Boot and Coffee. I'll hit uh, it on the way to see what your judgment is. You know your coffee shops. You work in coffee shops. I work from. Yeah, coffee shops. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. My, well, my son said that to my eight-year-old. He goes, he goes, Daddy, what do you? He's like, when you go to the coffee shop, do you like serve the coffee? I said, No, no, honey. I just kind of bring my laptop and I work from there. I just, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> but we are. I'm getting my first physical location in like almost 10 years i'm signing a lease in about a week oh, exciting yeah it's it's great it's it's a former retail store 
So it's it's oh. about 1,200 square feet, and mm. I might rent their space above another 1,200 square feet because we're going to be doing our new health company, our uh, rewind company. We're going to do all the fulfillment out of the space as well. Uh. And we're going to have a space where we can have taste testing for clients and do workshops and cool. kind of like a profit-first-esque Oh, I location. love that, man. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's awesome. Is yeah. it near your home? Yeah, 10 minutes away. And do you think your work schedule will change now that you have a physical space and employees no. too, I assume? Yeah, we're going to have a couple more people. Um, no matter what, I'm going to make sure I'm done by 3, 4 o'clock. Yeah. That's it. If it's not done by then, it, it ain't getting done. Yeah. This is the most regimented man on family time, personal time. He respects it more than anything. And yeah, your business is wildly successful. It, yeah, it's... I, I really do put my family first. Yeah. Oh, profits first, then family first. And I'm just going to keep plugging your book. <laughs> but even this after this, when I leave, I go home. I'll probably have like an hour, and then I'm coaching my son's baseball team because mm-hmm. I can't miss that. Uh, that. That's so amazing. But it's been that's I I truly build my business yeah. around my family because I yeah. have four kids, and that's they're my life. So yeah. I'm going to build it around them. And if and if I and I know I've sacrificed money, and I continue to, but that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you. I, from the outside, you seem to live a very comfortable, success, yeah, financially successful life. We're we're great, and but you're one of the guys who actually does what everyone says. Like, oh, I need work life balance. Like, like you, you actually are doing it. You've designed it. Effectively. You designed I, it. I really and stick have, to it. and I am. I'm okay. Again, financially, we're doing fine. And I think what what I think it makes me do is it really has me focus on lifetime customer value, like mm. really taking care of people. Because we, you know, you guys know in your business when you take care of your people. They're going to stick with you for a long time. It's just a better business as right. opposed to this the churn and like being so hyper and aggressive with selling. Now we could just kind of take our time and say, we're just going to take care of you and they're going to be with us forever. Right. You nurture those relationships. And we yeah. use really good lingo. Such wise <laughs> sage advice from a guy who works in a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> would you like a mocha? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would just like a, a mocha. I do like mocha, actually. In a second, we're going to get to our, uh, our guest, Jeffrey Shaw. Um, but I do want to thank our corporate sponsors. Um, I won't mess it up like I did last week. Uh, Fundbox, who is a sponsor, paying sponsor. I take it all back. Next, Eva and Receipt Bank. So we'll give a thanks to them in a little bit. Also, at the end of the show, we write down like what we learn as we go along here. So we're going to share uh, at the end of the show what we learned. His name is Jeffrey Shaw, and um, he's a personal friend of mine. We actually were hanging out down in Florida as he was writing his first book. Uh, and probably one of the most important books that shockingly has not been out there yet. I've, I've, not, I've never discovered a book like this. It's called Lingo. Discover your ideal customer's secret language and make your business irresistible. He's not just an author. He's also a professional speaker. He's a TEDx speaker and uh, previously was a portrait photographer. I bet you that influenced his book a little bit. Jeffrey Shaw, welcome to our show. Yeah. Welcome. Hey. hey, guys. I'm really glad to be here. I'm I'm still reeling from what it means to have an exhaust problem in the bathroom. But other than that, I'm totally, I'm totally What's present otherwise. What's the worst home ownership or home <laughs> rental? Like the worst home experience you've ever had, Jeffrey? Oh, my gosh. Oh, this, uh, this is easy. So when I moved to Miami <laughs> Beach two and a half years ago, um, I, didn't, I didn't intend on moving here. I came down here for three months to get away from New York City winters. And so came down to the Miami area and I rented a couple of different Airbnbs, fell in love with the area and decided I would move here. Within right. three days, I went from, hey, I think I'll live in Miami to actually signing a lease. So I signed a lease on an apartment, which is directly across the alleyway from uh, the Airbnb I was renting. And we checked out during the day and, you know, you give come up 
up this list of things you want done. Like they had, you know, that wanted things repainted and there was tiny evidence that there might be cockroaches under the kitchen sink. So, you know, by little droppings or little markings. So we wanted the place fumigated. You know, it's Florida after <laughs> marking their territory. All right. So time goes by. They're renovating this apartment. A month later, we can finally move in. It's the first night I'm going to spend the first night. Now it's important because we had only been there during the day. So the first night I'm going to spend in the apartment, I, oh, I, right? You know where this is going. I go, yeah. it's yep. during the day. Everything looks good. I go out for my first dinner. I shut the lights off. I go out for dinner. I come back from dinner. I flip the light switch on in the kitchen, which was the first kind of light switch when you entered. You couldn't even see the mm-hmm. kitchen counters. There were so many cockroaches. That's mortifying. Oh, oh. And then they scatter exactly. when the light Exactly. And I'm just like freaking out because they're going up the walls or they're coming oh down the counters God. towards my feet. And so I hightailed out of there so quick. And uh, long story short, you know, we tried sticking it out with the landlord, getting them to fix it. But two weeks later, I, I walked from the apartment and I moved uh, down the hall to the apartment I'm in now in the same building, which was completely cockroach free. <laughs> Yeah. Really? Wow. I, would, I, I, was I was worried. I was worried it was a building wide <laughs> problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, well, you know, the, uh, my rule of living in fl- anywhere in Florida is that I will not live ground floor because my phobia is snakes. So I won't live in any way, shape, or form where mm. snakes, of course, down here, snakes hang in trees, but I've not seen a snake in Miami yet. So we're good. <laughs> oh, my God. So my, uh, my friend Paul Scheider is a jokester, and I've, he's in St. Louis. I visit every so often. But he, he, when he does a joke, he can't can't hold his laughter in, so he does one of those, <laughs> like those type of things. Like so, I uh, I go into the bathroom. I'm saying his house, and I hear, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what do he do? Right? I come out. There is like three cockroaches in my bed, but there's these plastic ones he had oh, yeah. bought. Yeah. So I, if he didn't do that, oh, no. I would have been shitting myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Jeffrey, l- lingo. Why is it important to even speak the language of our customers? Well, you know, let me set the stage also by saying what I mean by lingo by definition is is a jargon, right? Um, and there's a piece of that, right? There's a piece of that in the concept of lingo. But when I'm speaking of lingo, I'm speaking more about speaking someone's essence. You know, like teenagers have a lingo and, and you know, even twin babies have a lingo where they can communicate with one another and nobody, you know, they're, they're pre-verbal, but yet they can communicate with each other. So what, I, what I'm speaking of when I'm talking about lingo of our ideal customers is speaking to their essence, their value system, you know, how they, how, what their perspective is in the world. So it's a little bit more soulful and heartfelt. It's kind of like it's what's inside of them. That's their lingo. Cause when you can connect with that as a business, you're, you're emotionally triggering them. So you're pulling in deeper. So it's, that's what I mean about lingo as opposed to the jargon. And yet jargon is part of it. And in the five-step strategy, I explain in the book, uh, which is laid out in a sequential order. Words is actually the last Right, which is the complete opposite oh. of the way most people build a business, right, Mike? You know this. I mean, you know, it, even profit first, right? I, I, my favorite line from the book, uh, or one of the many, is you know how that that light bulb moment that goes off when you realize that people take their profits like they're leftovers. <laughs> Right. It's like the last right. thing, right? That's the whole point. You know, you're trying to turn that up because that's the last thing most entrepreneurs take. Well, same thing with the way businesses come about in the first place. Most entrepreneurs have a great idea. They, you know, execute that idea by going into business. They launch a website and products and they fill it up with a whole bunch of jargon and words, but they've never taken the time right. to understand, well, what's really the lingo of the ideal customers I want to reach? What's going to connect with them emotionally? What's their what's their value system? 
right? So we end up with a website and, and branding full of words that don't communicate to your core ideal client base. Right. And, and I think um, that what you have to start with knowing who your actual customer is. So people yeah. start with a website and they have this really generic watered down copy because they're trying to reach everybody. But you can't have the lingo of everybody. No. And that's right? that's like the you have key. to start with right. who, you know, who you're speaking to. Right. And that, that to me is a key, that's a key turning point in, in business. So what I'm trying to accomplish with, with, by producing lingo is I want businesses to only work with their ideal customers. That to me is the path to the most profitable business. You want to put profits first while well, only work with your ideal customers. And unfortunately, that's not how most businesses start out. Most businesses start out, as you said, trying to going too broad, trying to be everything to everybody and taking whatever work comes along which is not necessarily, certainly in your long run, is not the most profitable way to build a business. So I, I presume, Jeffrey, this is what Ryan just says, one of the steps to know the right customers. Can you walk us through your five steps? Yeah, sure. So, and you know, I, I will say this with some regret. Now, the, of course, I, I don't know if you have felt this way, Mike, but I'm willing to bet you did. Like Once the book is out, thank, actually, I have to say I'm so grateful. Two things. One is I have a podcast because I can continue to explore the content in the book through the podcast because there's a million things I would already change in the book. We were um, talking about this second, last week. Last, yeah. <laughs> you got to say yeah. last hour. No, 20 minutes yeah. ago. Right. Yeah. Last week when I came to Boonton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had this exact and discussion. And I'm wearing the same clothes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, which is, of course, why you came out with a revised version of the book. I can always already yeah. imagine there's going to be a revised version. It's also why, you know, probably somewhat had a laziness, to be honest with you, but I haven't gotten around to doing the audio book yet. But I'm kind of glad I didn't really? because now when I do the audio book, it's, it's going to be a different book. I'm going to add to the, the, to the current version 39 of 39 steps now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I wish I, I could structure this, so there are five steps. However, there's a step okay. before that, if you will, which is, which was a surprise to me. And it was a surprise mm -hmm. to me because I, the book was written and then I started doing podcast interviews and one question kept coming up and amazingly it wasn't in the book. And it was the, really what would be the first step, which is how do I know who my ideal customer is? Well, mm. I assumed if you were in business, you knew that. And I found, wow. A lot of people in business have no idea who, who even their ideal customer is. So yeah. most, most don't. Most don't. Yeah. I had no – I mean I, that yeah. blew me away. So I, we actually went back and wrote what is now chapter two, um, which is you know, right after the introduction in order to, to help people first define who their ideal customer is. So step number one, if you will, is define who your ideal customer is. And here's what I'll offer about a different perspective on that. It actually starts with you as the business, the brand, and the business owner, um, which is, I think, what everyone does wrong, right? We focus, who's my ideal customer? You, you focus on that. The fact of the matter is, you first have to look at yourself. What is your core skill set? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your innate characteristics? And this is so often overlooked. The title of the chapter around this is called, uh, Who Will Love That? And I know it's supposed to be whom, but we went with who. Who will love that? Oh, oh, I hate when I know, editors I, do that. It, they do that in my book too. I know. This should be a whom. I'm like, yeah, exactly. This is not and it's not my audience. Whom. It's not the lingo of my audience. <laughs> I went with who, yeah. but um, I just don't want any. I don't want any hate mail after this interview. So I know it's supposed to be whom. So <laughs> I called it who will love that because that to me is really essential in defining your ideal customer. Like, who are you naturally? Like, you know, there's a whole world of comedians out there, and you know, one foul mouth comedian is not for everybody, right? So you want to know what. 
right? What are your innate characteristics? Like I'm a complete neat freak. I drive everyone in my personal life crazy, but man, my photography clientele loved that about me. Like that was a leading characteristic of who I am that benefited me tremendously in business because, you know, rich people love detail oriented people who don't miss crossing a T or dotting an I. So that was, you know, to me, you want to define your ideal customer by looking inward first. Like, what are you innately good at? What are your characteristics? And then who would love that? Right. So then, yeah, now you've got a market. You're so on the same page, by the way. So share share a few more details, Ryan. This is, um, I really believe that you cannot, well, to start a really good business and something Mm-hmm. Is, uh, I think you even mentioned before soulful, like a soulful business. I use yes. that word a lot. You really do have to start with yourself because it's hard to build a company around. Like I couldn't build a company for tweens, right? It's just not in right. my DNA. It, it's uh, this is just so vital, um, and I'm glad we're talking about this because people do skip over this. They say, "What's your customer avatar?" Oh, it's forty to fifty year old women who do this and that. But when you start with yourself and you build a company around your personality and your soul and you kind of know what your strengths are and right. and you're okay with it and you're you're always honest and transparent and say mm-hmm. this is who I am and this is what we believe in and we believe in this and we believe in that and you you build you don't just build a business you build this mm-hmm. connection this this movement um, Je- Jeffrey Ryan just hit on a point you got to be okay with it like it sounds like we have to accept ourselves and pre- actually really value ourselves to, to do with this first step you're sharing. Yeah, and I would even say see yourself. Now, that sounds odd, but yeah. one of the exercises I do with my coaching mm-hmm. clients is I ask them to make a list of compliments they've heard throughout their lives, right? Because people have been telling you what they found most valuable in you probably your whole life, and it's so natural to who you are that you've been brushing it off. Like, you know, somebody says to me, man, you're so mm-hmm. neat and organized. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, isn't everybody? Actually, I thought everybody wasn't. Until, right, until, right, right. until I got married at 20 years old, I thought everybody was neat and organized and realized my first wife was a complete slop. So I, I, there are other people in the world. And <laughs> <laughs> notice it said first wife. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that didn't break up the marriage, but it was a piece of it. Um, but, you know, it's it, that list of compliments is really powerful because it is really hard to take ownership of who we really are, right? I mean, what what people find. Yes. So, uh, you, Mike, I think you, I know you know Sally Hogshead, and that's why I'm a huge fan of her work, right? Because yes. she turns it upside down and she poses the question, well, how does the world see you, right? That's essential in yes. business is to understand how people see you. So this list of compliments is just one tool that I suggest that people, you know, so you can embrace and come to know what people see valuable in you. And here's the, the thing with most entrepreneurs. We have the hardest time charging the most money for what comes easiest to us. <laughs> There's a mind bend, that's right? Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard it's true. I mean, that's I've, yeah, I've been working with struggling bend. artists. You know, I've, I've you know, <laughs> been in the arts and I've worked with plenty of artists. One of their biggest struggles is they have a hard time charging for what comes easy to like their natural talent, their natural, their easy way of doing things. They had the hardest time to charge that because A, they love to do it, and B, well, how valuable can it be if it comes so easy to me? They don't realize what comes easy to you may not come easy to a a whole bunch of other people, and those are your ideal customers that want that ease from you. They want to learn what you know. Hot diggity. All right, give us the next uh, step now. That was step, like pre-step. Now give me step one. Pre-step. Mike, you're very handsome. Because I know you like to hear compliments. You like my t-shirt? Kelsey, you're beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. You look right at the pubes, dude. I you. So I'm wearing this shirt. You, know, you have to. People haven't heard the previous. If they missed the previous episode, oh. they don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So Jeffrey, <laughs> I'm wearing. You wear it every single week, Mike. Jeffrey, I'm wearing a shirt with Ronald McDonald, and his. Uh, he's wearing, He's just in skivvies, and he's flowing out. If you know what I mean, a little bit. And when oh, wow. Ryan looked at me, he didn't look me in the eyes. He. 
<laughs> looks right around McDonald's junk. Oh, it says natural redhead. Jeffrey, what's step number two? Oh, no. No. All right. So step number two, uh, the first step of the five step strategy is perspective, kind of to what Ryan's point too, right? So once you know who your ideal customer is, you cannot build a business for them until you have a willingness to understand how they see the world, right? What is their perspective? And this is critical because most entrepreneurs, particularly service oriented businesses, we're not serving people who are necessarily exactly where we are in life. So my, my example was extreme. As a photographer, I ended up photographing you know, the families and children of the wealthiest people in the country. Right? That was my that was my ideal customer. And I grew up lower middle class, two hours north of New York City. Right? I knew nothing of affluence in the rich lifestyle. Mm. But once I realized that I needed to speak their lingo, I studied all the brands that they went to, not to really understand the brands, but to understand their perspective of why they chose that brand. What did they experience? So I would go to, you know, the book is is uh, grounded on the story that I tell about going to Burdorf Goodman, uh, one of the highest, most expensive department stores in the world. And I would go to Ralph Lauren's flagship star- store in, in New York City, and I would go to these high-end brands and put myself in a position of the people I was going to serve. So I literally could walk a mile in their shoes and experience what ty- what what did customer service feel like if you were that clientele? What did what did I see? What was the pricing psychology? So I wanted to understand if I were, you know, I was pretending in a way. I was, I was hoping that right. I was horribly dressed, but I was hoping they they were thinking I was a rich heir and I could get away with looking because yeah. you know, I didn't have the money. I look like I look like a poor kid, and you know, I authentically was. But Mike shops at three times a week. Yeah. <laughs> I do, I do. Takes a yeah. So I do. step number one is perspective. Right. Like you cannot build a business for your ideal customer until you understand their world. Right. So mm-hmm. you gotcha. have to step yeah. number two, which I think is one of the most important emotional triggers is familiarity. Right. We are naturally drawn to what is familiar to us because familiarity creates comfort. So. Once you understand how people see themselves in their own lives, you can then build your business that captures the feeling of familiarity. It doesn't mean you're capturing or you know, copying other brands verbatim, but you can capture the feeling of familiarity. And just as a point of proof of how powerful familiarity is, is you know, think about traveling to any foreign country and you can't not see American icons like Starbucks and McDonald's. Like you can't not see them, right? Yeah. It's just whether you want to go into it or not, it's familiar. There's a safety to it. And there are times I've been traveling where I'll go into a Starbucks, even though there are, you know, other coffee shops around. I, you know, for sake of familiarity, I'll go there because I know the coffee is going to be predictably good. Right. It's it's there's a standard that's going to be met. Right. Yeah. And I tell this I tell in the book, I tell the story about getting into a conversation with a guy on an airplane, which I'm one of those people that I sleep and don't talk to people on an airplane. But this guy was reading a book by a pod, by someone who we had just booked on our podcast and I hadn't even read his book yet. So that book was familiar to me. If it wasn't, I never would have sparked up a conversation. Right. And by the way, this guy's now you know, like a lifelong friend. Right. right. So familiarity is incredibly powerful. And I think probably one of the most underused emotional triggers in business is to create a business that feels familiar to the people, your ideal customer, because you understand their perspective. How almost, do you create that, though? Sorry. No, you go. It's, you know, well, it's, it's in a, a bit of a, 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 a bit of the third step, which is style. So we'll talk about that in a second, too. But familiarity is more of a feeling. The third step is style. Style is a little more surface level. Um, but And because it's a little you know, more surface what, level, what people I hear, overlook it. Go ahead. What I hear is um, 
you know, we got to be different than our competition. We got to stand out from our competition. But you're saying you got to be familiar. Is there a blend of being different and and familiar at the same time? Absolutely, Mike. You know, I, I'm pretty sure my next book is going to be on paradox. I just want to make sure it has paradox has to do with business. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I'm fascinated by paradox. I, nothing's black. We live in a black and white world until we realize nothing in the world is black and white. Right. It's, it's both like, and that's the, the, so to be highly successful in business is to actually figure out how you can stand out and capture a a feeling of familiarity. Right. I mean, I stood out as a photographer when I started my brand and yet I felt like other high end experiences, the customer, my, my ideal customer had because they were right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's an interesting thing. I don't know if you've read the book. I think it was the newer one by Jonah, Ber- Jonah Berger, <laughs> um, Profit First. And he talks about these anchors where if you build your business sometimes around specific th- – so, all right, how do I describe this? So, for example, for, for a long time, one of my businesses was teaching people about entrepreneurship. And I all the time, I was working from Starbucks. So, every morning, I'd start my email. So, you did work in a coffee shop. I just want to hey, clarify. Brian, I'm here. I, I actually did. <laughs> I say, hey, I'm working yeah. from Starbucks this morning. So, so I'd say it all the time. It got to the point where every time people would see Starbucks or hear a Starbucks, they would start to anchor oh. and associate with me and my brand. Yeah. So all of a sudden, we're getting all these kind of subliminal messages. Every time they see a Starbucks, they think, Ryan. And to the point where people would, would be in Starbucks take and they take a picture of themselves like, oh, living the Ryan Lee lifestyle. Now with our new nutrition company, Rewind, um, <laughs> we're, it's, we're, we're relying heavily on the retro yes. kind of 80s feel. So every time yeah. people ne- – we're always hammering home these kind of 80s fun, like Michael Jackson music, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I want them to start to think of us. Rewind. When they start yeah. thinking – and they do that now. They'll see like – we're talking about the Bengals. The Bengals video, they're like, oh, it reminds me of Rewind. Yeah, so just interesting. Those little yeah. Yeah. So little, you align yourself with yeah. something that's well, already first, familiar. Right. The, exactly. The, the first thing I did the first thing I did in my business when I was making this shift is my previous photography business, which had been in existence at three years and was struggling and failing at that point in my hometown. Um, what I shifted, the first thing I shifted was the name. It my my previous business had a, a photography name. It was called Light Images Studio. Um, and the first, first thing I did is I shifted it to my own name. I, 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 what I realized was familiar to my ideal customer was buying authority and buying designer names. So I changed the business to Jeffrey Shaw. Ah, very smart. Right. Tell us about the style. Right. So Tell that's the, that's what's familiar to them. So step number three is style, and style is the decision maker. And and sometimes people, you know, we all want to sometimes go so deep and profound in our businesses, but sometimes you gotta you just gotta be aware of what's on the surface because style is a decision maker. We walk main down Main Street USA in malls every day of our lives, and we make instant decisions on whether something feels like it's you know speaking on our behalf. Like that's my style. That's not right, my style. Right. Um, So you want to, again, once you understand the perspective of ideal customers, you'll get a sense of what are their, what are their, what style resonates for them? Um, You know, what, what makes them feel like the style that you've communicated is kind of speaking on their behalf. In the book, I interview um, Mike, a friend, a common friend of ours, Tamsin Webster. Yes. Now, okay. One of the things you might know about Tamsin is that she almost always wears Diane von Furstenberg dresses. Right. So I interviewed George dress. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. So her devotion to that brand really had me curious about the impact of style. And one of the things that she discovered, I think, I mean, I think she knew, but in our conversation, just it just sort of seemed to bubble up that everything that she would like people, everything that people commonly say in descriptives about Diane von Furstenberg designer, she wants people to say about her work. Right. It's a smart choice. It's intelligent. It's well styled. It's kind of on the go. It's it's Mm. 
DPF has a really interesting, even the fact we're going to talk, the next step is pricing psychology. So I'm sort of leading into that. Diane von Furstenberg as a company, they, they describe their price point as the low end of the high end. All right. Think about why. Interesting. Right? Think about why. I think this is so powerful. The reason they're the low end of the high end is because they want to be a smart choice. Their ideal customers, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Their ideal customers are willing to spend the money, but they don't like to feel like they're ex- they're excessive. They want to feel like they made a smart choice. They don't want to be they showy. They want to be showy, right? right? Yeah. Diane von Versberg, for those that aren't familiar, she invented the, the women's wrap dress, right? The woman's wrap dress is one of the smartest design choices for a woman, right? It just wraps around and ties to the belt. Easy on, easy off, doesn't wrinkle in a suitcase. It's smart. So all these ways in which you would describe the style of DVF designs, Tamsin wants people to say about her work. And that's the connection between her devotion to that brand because the style resonates for her and it's speaking on her behalf. Yeah, it's funny. I look around our studio right now at our dressing selection, our attire. Brian's wearing a, a collared shirt, finely pressed. His belt is perfectly placed. Nice jeans. Kelsey's wearing. Around my places. head like Rambo. No. I... <laughs> That would be awesome. Hey, in the 70s, you wore it you off to the side. No, you used to wear the belt off to the side. It was a thing. <laughs> no, I mean, your yeah, belt yes. buckle but is no, dead center. It's dead center. But, Mike, yes. I would say, yes. Mike, you got one yeah. of the best styles out That's there. True. And I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah. I drive an incredible amount of traffic to your website. Because, okay. and I tell people all the time, I send people to your website. I'm like, you have got, this is the best website online. And I'm not kidding. Because it Thank is you. so authentically you. I know you in person. I know you on your website. I know you in your books because I read them. And it's the same guy. Your style and your voice carries through in everything you do. You have your the, your website is one of the best styled website. That's something. Style is the decision maker. I would go as I have gone to your website and say, "This is a guy who I want to get to know, whose books I want to read, and you know who I might even want to look like." But you know, it's it's all right there. And it's <laughs> let's, let's not get carried away. Yeah, and, no, and, cons- and it's and with with his exactly. Style. And that's really that's that's the importance yeah. of communication and lingo, right? right. I mean, yeah. you break you break communicate you break lingo, you break style, you break communication, right? And that breaks and that breaks trust, and it breaks trust. Oh, that's right? a big tip. Because people do that, I, I notice that they have their own f- style yes. among friends, their mm-hmm. authentic style, and then when they're in the business space, like oh, I, I, and they yeah. always say, "I'm a chameleon." Like, yeah, you're not yeah. a freaking chameleon. You're a moron. Yeah. There's a, a jersey. <laughs> That's yeah. jersey. I agree. I mean, yeah. You're a freaking moron. Uh, style, it sounds like, Jeff, transcends just a website. It's throughout your entire brand, throughout your entire person. Question mark. <laughs> yeah, it's your personality and voice, right? I mean, your style is is the your your personality that's like your the way you project yourself you know right? and then your voice is that 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 consistent thing that is underneath all your gotcha. work that isn't as obvious to people but it's consistent right so you know mike you have a very clear voice you know and everything that shows up like i said i've 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 cooked meals with you on an author retreat i've read your books listen to your podcast uh you're the same guy your voice is consistent right but then what you project is, you know, is your, is your personality. So, yeah, consistency in style is incredibly – the most – the biggest compliment I've continued to receive for, with Lingo, now the book is out there, people have sent me messages exactly. to say, man, reading this yeah. book is exactly like listening to you in your podcast. And that is more than – that was more important to and me than book okay sales. Like if I've accomplished that, that I, I'm I, I really think consistency 
It's huge. Everyone they get on yeah. their website and all of a sudden they they have these really either very professional headlines like we are the leader in customer oh. service, and it's just generic yeah. blah. Yeah. Like, just have some personality. That. I hate that. And, and I think it comes yeah. back to what you're saying, like really knowing yeah. who and you are in the first place. Yeah. Right. And yeah. being okay. And this is what I do. Yeah. Lean yeah. into yeah. it, baby. Lean into it. Give us number four, Jeffrey. I think yeah. that's pricing. That was psychology. pricing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So number four is pricing pricing psychology. Right. There's a you can what I say is pricing creates perception. You actually get to decide how you want your business positioned in the marketplace based on how you price yourself, both the literal prices, but then also even the style, how you visually represent price can give a very different impression. I mean, the fact that there are no prices on one restaurant's yeah, menu gives you an immediate that. perception of that <laughs> restaurant. Me too. I hate right? that. The Dollar menu gives a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dollar menu gives you a whole different perception. So you actually, the first, when people come to me, when I'm coaching or brand, rebranding businesses, one of the first things I ask, them, how do you, what do you, you know, after we've done the internal work, like who are they and defining their customers? So how do you want your business to be perceived? Because the price point you choose has to be aligned with the perception if you want to create. It's the, one of the things that drives me the most crazy is people that come to me and say, well, you know, Jeff, I would like your help with, uh, you know, the fact that so many of people coming to me are trying to talk me down on my prices. Or I have a low conversion rate. People, you know, I have a lot of traffic, but I'm not converting. And I'll look at their their overall branding message and I'll see the break. I'm like, well, you're communicating the language of the cost-conscious customers. And then you're complaining that mm -hmm. you have yeah. cost-conscious people in front of you. Right. So if you're gonna call, if you're gonna call your online program $497, then you can't bitch and moan about somebody complaining That's about three dollars. Because you've just called it out. <laughs> right? What's the uh yeah, just call it yeah, $500 exactly. then. Uh, yeah. What's the fifth and final um, yeah. step of lingo? The fifth is the words, right? It's not until, and this is what I was saying yeah. right in the, at the top, that you cannot load up your website with branding messages and words and email marketing and all. You cannot do that until you've done all the previous four steps. Or you're going to be complete. You're just going to be buck shooting. You're going to have no idea who you're speaking to. You're trying to speak to everybody. It's going to be, as Ryan said, feel generic. And more, most importantly, you won't be singling out. You won't be speaking the lingo of your ideal customer. And when you don't speak the lingo of your ideal customer, who are your most, that's your fastest path to a profitable business. If you're not speaking their lingo, they're not showing up. So words and the, the impact and the power of words to convey the, the secret language of your ideal customers, that, that's the fifth and final step. And then you're out in the world with an amazing brand message that will attract your ideal customers. And I know you guide clients through this process. What have you seen the impact be when they actually nail down the lingo? You know, again, this is one of the things that I wish that if I were to write the book again um, and, and we'll add to the audio, I actually want to up my game a little bit. I, I actually want to show up even more committed and say, I think brand message is more important now than ever. I've been in business for 33 years. Never a more important time because 99% of the time your brand, your image, your messaging is speaking on your behalf and you're not present. Right. So it's great when we can convert people, when we can get people on the phone or however it is that they purchase from us. But we don't get them there until they've walked through the gateway of your branding message in the first place. They're already checking you out online because we're doing so many things in today's world to 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 create traffic, the podcasting. Right. Where you're out in the world in a big way, it's driving people towards you. They're checking out your brand. If there's an incongruence in your brand message or how you can serve people isn't who you can serve. If that's not clear in your brand message message, they leave. So there are so many people of your ideal customers that you're, you're driving towards your business. But if your brand message is off and not speaking correctly in your behalf, you don't even know it. 
So mm-hmm. brand message to me okay, is more important than ever. We're going to have to get going. We're going to have to discuss you in I, studio. I want wants, the 34 uh, remaining steps. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but this is a great teaser. There probably There's a lot more mm-hmm. to it. Where can people learn more about Lingo? Where can they get the book? So you can get, the, of course, Amazon, anywhere books are sold. Um, what I've put together for, for your listeners is a Lingo media kit. I would actually start there. Yeah. Nice, dude. Oh, so nice. the Lingo media kit. Cut them off before it has, you get Lingo, It's lingomediakit.com, lingomediakit.com. And there you'll get a, uh, you'll actually get an infographic of these five steps with an explanation of, of how to build each. And of course, there's the, the free chapter. And there is one audio chapter out there, and that's included in the, Mingo, the Lingo Media Kit as well. But so start there. You, and we have we have this for the URL. We have the Lingo Media Kit? Just, or is it just lingomediakit.com. Lingo. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to buy the media. I have to redirect yeah. and steal yeah. all your traffic. That's true. Yourself rewind bars. Good point. <laughs> I own like 500 domains, by the way, because anytime I, yeah, I, I'm big on that. So you're right. I should probably own the, no, it's lingomediakit.com. Yeah, you should, yeah, got it. Good. We will have the link in here. Um, and I hope you do the audio soon. If you want to ask Kelsey, um, I know how to get the audio done very effectively. I can just tell you how to do it if that helps you because consumers love audio books. Yeah. Please sure. do it. Please, please, please do it. No, I will. I definitely will. And actually, Mike, I've been listening to Profit. Even I've read Profit First two or three times. And actually, yours was the the audio version of the revised version of of Profit First has been my go to oh. for getting to know how I want to show up on Mike, you know, and be my authentic yeah, yeah. self because you do it so well. In your oh, audiobook. thank you, my brother, my brother. He's so he's, he's, you should see a smile right now. I know, ear to ear, up the room. Even even Ron McDonald, my shirt's getting stretched out a little bit. You look, <laughs> you look. I, I did keep looking from from the way <laughs> you just that shirt. If it's stretching out, I don't want to know. All right, Jeffrey, it's been a joy having you. And everyone listening, get a copy of Lingo. We're ordering, uh, how many copies? I know we're ordering a box. I think two. (laughs) Two for for all our members. No, Jeffrey's going to be speaking at ProfitCon. Yep. So it's our annual conference in September. This is the guy, main stage keynote, Jeffrey Mm. Shaw. Jeffrey, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Okay. So um, let me just get a punch. There we go. Uh, I want to first thank our corporate partners. Then we're going to recap what we learned. Um, we got some listener mail and all that stuff. And we got to go quickly now. We only have like about 10 minutes. So, um, yeah. So, thank you to Fundbox. That's a cash flow accelerator. So, if you have an invoice due to you, now you know. Yes. Call Fundbox. They send the funds to you. And you know they don't do the collections. You still collect the money as normal. So, your customer relationship isn't compromised. Next, Eva, voice over IP phone system. The best out there. Uh, we've been using them f- ever since this business is founded, and I've been using it 10 years even prior to that. I love them. Maybe not 10, maybe about five years prior. Cumulatively, probably about 10. And then Receipt Bank is a uh, receipt system scanner. It's actually the receipt system scanner. Any receipts you have, just scan it in. It ties into your QuickBooks or Zero or whatever you use, and you're taken care of. All right, I want to know um, what you learned today. So what did you learn today? Kels, <laughs> Ryan started us out last week. You want to start us out this yes. week? Yes. Um, so I learned a lot, but I feel like the most impactful thing was knowing who you are, what are your innate character gifts or strengths, um, and capitalizing on that. I, I feel like I've sort of touched on that, but never thought of it in that term, like actually honing in on what my best strengths are and how I can serve with that. Come on, man. What'd you learn? (laughs) (laughs) Boom. I like, um... And there's a lot of truth to what he said about people when you're when there's something you're really good at naturally, we tend to have a hard time yes. charging yeah. for it. Uh, so I can I can absolutely relate to that. So it he nailed it. 
Yeah, that was. Uh, I, I jotted that one down and circled it and stuff. That was. I know. I saw you writing it down. Too. I know I'm you're like, like I'm not totally gonna take it because it. it was. It was good. It, made, it was yeah, good. Yeah. So then I'm gonna go to my backup, which one, which was words actually come last. So when I hear lingo, I think immediately I get to get the words out there. But he put now five steps in front of that um, with identifying your market, getting perspective, familiarity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think the sequence of how, et cetera, that means you like lost track of the <laughs> I know. I can't read my own handwriting, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there's some style <laughs> and something pricing. Um, but words actually come last, not first. I think that was the big takeaway for me. Yeah, oh, do you know when you used to, you used to be a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. You posted online, like you're wearing that guinea, the, the t-shirt. Oh, the old. Uh, the muscle uh, shirt. Peter? No, 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 it was a, uh, was I a, love the politically correct terms. Um, no, it was a. It was like from the early '90s, and I was wearing a tank, like a black tank, tank but like top, a low hanging one, and a white, like white shorts yeah, with white. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was a, a picture I took from my personal training company. It's funny, a picture like that, and I got more likes and comments. Yeah. I love that picture, and um, we actually got a video, a, a audio from when you used to train people. So Kelsey got it uh, in the studio. We'll play it in a second. Oh, um, what do we have to do? Oh, do we have listener mail? Oh, yeah. Oh, Let's do a shout-out. Shout-out to Krista Patton from Market Ready Designs. Bazinga. Uh, Sorry, I had to get that in. So a little over a year ago, she was a mom who worked nights at a restaurant. She went through a divorce, and uh, her financial options for self-sufficiency were grim. So while there's more to the story, the short version is rather than getting an entry-level job, she chose to start a real estate staging business using more than dusty and rusty interior design degree to fall back on. She just want to say thank you because, among many things, your book gave her the tools to start correctly and to continue. Even when the slow season of real estate hits, she put the money away into her accounts. And I just changed the percentages to reflect the quarter's boom or bust reality. Nice, Chris. Cool. Kelsey, good job, first of all. She was reading that from a third-person perspective, translating as you're going along. Yes. You nailed it. That was very <laughs> yeah. good. It was that very was not good. smooth, but thank I, you guys. Is it, it is awesome, though, isn't it, that you can write a book and just impact lives? Yes. Like, when you see stuff like that. Now I'm getting emotional. Now I know, you, it's yeah. huge. No, it's it, true. It lights me up. Yeah. We get an email in probably... One an hour because we're getting over twenty five a day. I think you said like one a year, but one an hour. Is, is, <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah, it, dude, it's it, it's it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, we we have mail. Yeah, we let me, do. Let me hit the mail button. You got mail. Pattern baldness. No. <laughs> that didn't make you laugh. <laughs> what? That's my favorite. Here, let's play it again for Ryan. I thought Ryan would. I, I thought you'd wet your pants. I thought your perfectly placed belt would have <laughs> unraveled. <laughs> Listen, you know, remember the uh, AOL, you got mail? I do remember AOL, you got mail. All right, listen again. You got mail. Pattern baldness. Oh, mail pattern. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite I bit. I, I'm like, what? I don't get it. Yes, you got mail. Pattern baldness. Yes. <laughs> it's hysterical. All right, what's our mail? Okay, so this comes from <laughs> Susanna Townsend, marketing design specialist. I'm at the stage of setting up new bank accounts. I already have a bank account set up with a couple of savings accounts attached and can add for free more savings account all under the same umbrella. The problem is that because they are savings accounts opposed to card accounts, they can't pay out. They can only make transfers between each account. So my question is, how many of the accounts need to be able to pay out to one of the hold accounts and to my direct debits? It sounds way more complex uh, than it really is. Mike, we'll let you take this one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, run, I'll run with this one. I'll run. It's checking accounts versus savings accounts. Some banks only allow you to transfer from savings accounts, but not ever write a check out, of course. Um, and they'll limit the number of transfers you can do. Usually a savings account, you can do up to six a month. So get two checking accounts. 
One is for your operating expense. I'm sorry, three checking accounts. One's for your operating expenses. One is for your um, owner's compensation, your owner's pay. And the other one is for income because you have income accounts, uh, inbound money into it. But the other two accounts, the profit account and the tax account, are both savings accounts because you're not going to write checks from there. They're just going to accumulate the money. You're then going to transfer the money from profit to the owner's pay when you pay the owner the profit distribution, and you're going to pay, move the money from the tax account to the operating expense account when you pay out of the operating expense account your taxes. So three checking accounts, two savings accounts, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so Ryan was like totally into this personal fitness, and you were one of the first to be the the, the one that yells and spits in your face, almost like a boot camp. <laughs> like, yes, that was my motto. Uh, so that was my lingo. Here's recording of you uh, oh, training gosh. your first person. Do it! <laughs> just do it! Yesterday, you said tomorrow. We had the whole recording. So just yeah. And I know this, I know this man too, the Shia LaBeouf. come true! Oh. Nothing is impossible! Yeah, so no, it just keeps going. For? Do it! <laughs> that was my entire... But I, it's funny though. I when I used to train client, I used to train young athletes a lot, and I would do sports camps, and I would do that stuff like, "Let's go!" Yeah, how about I? Yeah, oh, I loved it. I still love. I that. still kind of do it now, even when I coach the eight eight year old baseball. So our team is called we're the Mets. So when they're on the field, like all the other coaches, are like, "All right, you're very reserved, oh. new candy connected," <laughs> and I go, "Let's go!" And they all have to go Mets, and that means that's for them to get round and ready. That's position. awesome. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I think uh, as a coach. There's so much pressure. I don't know why you're doing coaching because you have the parents that hate you because my kid's not playing enough. <laughs> you have the competition of other coaches that want you to lose. Mm-hmm. You have the children that are upset. You have the politics that goes on around right. the whole thing. Yeah. How do you and, and you and there's a threat of you getting sued by someone. <laughs> it's not. I just I I'm always in touch with the parents and I say, are especially eight years old. We're just going to have fun. I want to teach them some stuff. Yeah. And I, I, my whole goal for them is to look forward to coming to practice in the games. That's it. Like, And I don't say this, but they're not going to play in the major leagues. Like, right. They're not. Right. So let's just have fun and teamwork and learning the game. And I've, I also um, I've coached football and basketball and lacrosse. and so I've coached every sport with my kids. So uh, we just go out and have fun. And I take my background. I used to be a gym teacher. Uh, so we have fun. That's yeah, awesome. That's it. it. Cool. We just play. Yeah. Well, so you're back the right to the perspective, essence. you can deal with anything. He's yeah. rewound us I, to the perspective of, of the 80s. Like, it used yeah. to be just have fun. And that's, that's I just, and with my kids, it's all about the reason they all play sports and competitive sports. It's the biggest life lesson for me to teach them is, is when you fail. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not, you're going to fail. In life, you're going to fail. You're going to, you know, things happen. It's about getting back up. And that's it. Like, just get back up. Brush yeah. yourself off, get mad, you give yourself 10 minutes, and get back up and just keep trying. Yeah. That's it. Are you in a league, though, that everyone gets a freaking trophy? They do a lot. Of, although this this one, this eighth grade, base, eighth grade, eight-year-old baseball, we had a draft. So me and all the coaches met one night For at, at a guy's house. Yeah. Eight-year-old. Eight-year-olds. Oh, eight-year-olds. Yeah, so like second, third, fourth grade. We had a draft. So all the kids were rated and ranked based on wow. their base rate. And then we actually chose kids. I'll take Bobby Mickledorf. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was. It was. Yeah, I'll unre- give you yeah, two not- cheese sticks. For my my, <laughs> town, my my town, you know, it's very kind of type it. They're all like really successful investment. Like it's they've all really? everyone's played college sports. It's very competitive. Wow. So uh, we just you know I just picked kids I knew and liked, and we're gonna try hard. So we're having fun. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, great. man. That's awesome. And now I'm here. Yeah. And now you're here. Now it's here. Profit, all now downhill. Now I'm talking profit first. <laughs> 
Well, everybody, leave us a comment and ratings on iTunes, Stitcher, any podcaster, and come visit us at ProfitFirstProfessionals.com. Yeah, and I can't believe last week I forgot to pitch. Like, the whole reason we do this show is to get people excited about Profit First and learn about Profit First Professionals, our organization. And I didn't talk about it at all. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, a big, that's a big fail. Oh, yeah. You're like, well, why do you do this show? Just to promote Profit for yeah. Professionals. Let me not mention yeah, that. Yeah, let me mention the that. one thing. Let me talk about Ronald McDonald. <laughs> yeah, like 10 times. It's like you minutes. coming out with a... Yeah. Oh, my God. I really did too much Firebush. <laughs> it's funny. It'd be like you saying, oh, we have a new super bar coming out. People like, what's the name? Like, ah. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry. It. Forget about <laughs> it. It's delicious. <laughs> you don't worry about it. It's the whatchamacallit. <laughs> yeah. That's a good, I love you that. Remember that bar? Oh, I love... They don't make it anymore? It's still around. I love watching yeah, yeah. That's my favorite. Enough <laughs> nougat. You know what nougat is? Oh, yeah. That, like, gooey. Yeah. That's that. Do you know the ingredients of nougat? Uh, noug. <laughs> and, and it. <laughs> we'll discuss that next episode. The oh, ingredients of nougat. Yeah, that's it. the cliffhanger. Oh, that's the cliffhanger. Stay tuned yeah. for nougat. <laughs> don't the, Google it before that. No, do not. Freaking don't Google it. You can hang on for a week. Ted Nugent and nougat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's part of it. Ted Nugent. Nugent on nougat. There is it. We'll get into it. Nugent, okay. uh, there's some history. But Profit First <laughs> Professionals, I want you, dear listener, after you uh, clean up that spittle from all the laughing you've had today, all the entertainment, <laughs> after you clean yourself up, go to ProfitFirstProfessionals.com. Then click on the Find button, and we'll hook you up with a Profit First Professional. These are, there was 210 in the U.S. now. We have 70 international, so awesome. 280 Profit First Professionals who are certified, trained by our team here. Ryan, you've met them now. Yep. Trained by our team in driving profit in your business. You want to be profitable. There's only two ways to get there. Step one is listen to the show. Step two is to hire a Profit First Professional. And we'll hook you up with that. Nice. Okay. And that's it. Oh, and also Google <laughs> National Redhead. <laughs> and uh, and Ronald McDonald. And whoever buys that T-shirt and wears it. You'll get a prize. You guys send, a, send picture. Us a picture. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a trouble getting on the site, uh, go to Profit Second Professional because I just started that company. <laughs> uh, we're the second choice with a low yeah. price choice. Right. 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 A little like more economic. An hour, and we will <laughs> not gonna help you at all. <laughs> right. Right. But, but it's a great deal. <laughs> all right. But uh, yeah, send a picture of wearing your uh, Ronald McDonald natural redhead T-shirt, and we'll send you all four of my books uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, but you gotta put it on Twitter and Facebook and have your family shame you. Seventy-five dollars for shipping. Only <laughs> 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 they're not in any place besides the US. Oh, I love it. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to say before we get out of here? No. Uh-huh. That's it. This is another fun. I can't wait to come back next week. Yeah. In a yeah. week, I have to drive back. We're, yeah, we're gonna have lunch in the meantime. Yeah, lunch. It's gonna be very. It's gonna be week long lunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye.